Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Wandering Aimfully Show. Wrong. Wandering Aimfully, the show. <laughs> this show has many names, but it only has two hosts. I'm Jason and, <laughs> and that's I'm Caroline. Kara. Uh, I brought today with me an orange drink and wow. you also brought an orange drink. So happy orange drink, everybody. That is not what this episode's about. It's about marketing. This is not orange, just so you know that. Oh, I may be colorblind. You might we be don't discuss that in this episode, but we do talk about all kinds of things. Everything under the sun when it comes to marketing. We talk about our definition of marketing. We talk about kind of our approach to marketing. Marketing. We dive into social media marketing. We talk about the things that we believe everyone should do if they're going to have an online business of some sort and ex- the exact things that work for us. We also even go in depth on a sales email marketing sequence, which wasn't planned, but if that's something that you're afraid of that you don't know how to do sales or you're just like I don't even know steal with pride everything we talked about absolutely so if you have any kind of questions about how to market for your business or you want to have some ideas that kind of stir the pot this, this is a great episode for you to listen to is the episode for you hope you brought an orange drink <laughs> Hey there, we're Jason and Caroline Zook, a husband and wife team who believes life is just one big experiment. This is the show where we share our journey as we figure out this ever-changing thing called life. We cover topics like running a business, traveling the world, and clawing our way out of debt, all with the hope of inspiring you to live, work, and create with more intention. Life might bring its twists and turns, but when you know who you are and what you want, you're never really lost. Welcome to Wandering Aimfully, the show. jack-o'-lantern juice sipping on jack-o'-lantern juice you know i love starting a, an episode with a little bit of don't do it why nobody wants to listen to that that is the grossest sound i've ever heard you're gonna listen back and you'll be like wow that was fun we should do that i don't listen often. back to our episodes train salute how is it that every time we sit down and record a train goes by is that just how often a train goes by our I house think it is, and yeah. we just don't notice it yeah probably we're not recording all the time because we're not worrying about it okay everybody we're here to talk about Marketing. Marketing. Just a blanket word. I thought, it, I thought this would be a fun episode to discuss kind of our kind of history through marketing, how we view marketing. I, and don't, then, I think our history through marketing is less interesting. I think there's a lot to discover in terms of what each of us think is effective marketing. Ooh, Because sometimes we disagree on that. Uh-huh. And like the evolution Spoiler of... Spoiler alert, social media the evolution of marketing and how that has changed and what works and what doesn't can we tie an evolution of dance in that absolutely. as well absolutely i oh, think okay, you cool. i think we should you have to yeah right you have to i also was just realizing as we sat down to record this sometimes what were you, what were you realizing caroline <laughs> tell the folks really at important. home sometimes i think marketing is such a broad word that people use it to mean different things and i'm curious to kick things off what you think the definition of marketing is, like how you use it. I'm not saying there's like a right or wrong answer. I'm not going to quiz you. I'm just saying when you use the word marketing, what does it mean in your it head? It sounds like a pop quiz nose to me. It is a pop quiz nose. It's a pop quiz nose. And if you get it correct, you will get a $5 gift certificate to a quiz nose. Quiz nose. We don't need a quiz nose. Nope. This episode not sponsored by quiz nose. <laughs> That's like when Matt Diavella and I, uh, when I was on his show, The Ground Up Show, shout out Matt Diavella, and we talked about Band-Aid as a sponsor, and we said Band-Aid like 30 times, and I was like, oh man, we basically like We need Band-Aid. a not sponsor every We need a not sponsor, yeah. But then it just is, it, it's, then it's the weird. same. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, what is marketing? To me, marketing is the act of promoting, advertising, or generally sharing and talking about the thing that you do or sell. That's marketing. Okay. 
What's your definition? So of really promote. So you really, when you say marketing, you're sort of interchanging it with the word promoting, trying Prom- to promoting, trying to sharing. get your thing in front of people. Well, okay, hold on. Um, that's <laughs> no, no, how you, no, 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 that's no. how you get in trouble. Yeah, that's uh, not acceptable anymore. Just so everyone knows. But you said it. I understand about my thing. That's not marketing. Right. Marketing is not getting your thing in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, marketing. What I mean is, when you say it, you mean like. No, I can't think of anything besides that. <laughs> getting your product and or service and or business to other people. Eggplant emoji. Eggplant emoji. Eggplant emoji. In the, atten- <laughs> the attention of other people. Yeah. Okay. Right. What's Sometimes your Sometimes I think I use it in a more broad sense, which just to me can mean anything. Okay. You have your product or service. Or your business, yeah, and you have the audience yeah. of potential customers that are going to buy from you, and I think the point of of a successful business is to try to line those up so that you have an you have something that provides value. You have people who need that thing that provides value and are willing to give you money for it, and it's a puzzle to see how you can line those things up and zipper them up. Zipper metaphor, okay? Oh yeah, audience product. If you're zipper. not watching this on YouTube, you're missing all <laughs> kinds of great hand gestures. So to me, marketing means quite frankly the audience is your market so it's like anything that you do to try to line up your thing (laughs) we need another word your (laughs) product product with the market so yes to me promoting and advertising and all of that can fall under marketing but it can also mean things like pricing your product or um like designing your product even like just marketing but I think a lot of people do use it in more of your sense right so I guess for the purpose of this conversation the reason I wanted to bring this up in the beginning is to really set the boundaries of what we're really talking about so I mm-hmm. guess it just means promoting I think we want to talk about promoting I think if we go back in time we can talk about just kind of uh, like our thoughts on that because I do actually think that some of the best marketing I've done for my projects has been the design has been right. the copy, has the actual been idea itself, the actual idea itself, and how the value exchange happened. Um, so anyway, uh, I do think it's really interesting though. I, I looked up on Wikipedia before we started recording this, just like the origins of marketing, mm-hmm. and it's really nebulous because it goes back to like you know all of the open markets in like Egyptian times, and oh, even further back than that of just like I mean, where can you say that marketing started? But one of the things that it said is like marketing as an industry right. that was like called something yeah it's kind of back in the 40s with like the boom of uh, advertising agencies right like right before that and that was like a whole industry was created to promote people's products so that being said i think that's kind of the direction we want to go i think the the point of this episode which we don't always necessarily have a point of this episode but from my perspective to hear ourselves talk is to talk for at least one hour uh (laughs) unabridged maybe two if we can get there three is gonna be too much because just too many files on on the cards for the cameras the Um, point of this the point of this is to discuss how we view marketing how we viewed it in the past and how we are marketing, wandering aimfully specifically moving forward. And what we've seen work. And what and my hope is with those three things, some three pillars of marketing. <laughs> you and uh, your pillars. My hope is that someone listening to this, you at home, you on YouTube, you wherever you are, walk away with this going I have an idea I have how an I want to market what I'm doing. Or those crazy zooks, uh, I just learned that I should be doing this because they said X, Y, and Z. That's totally. my hope. I also agree with that. Okay. So I think maybe it'd be fun to go back to your origin story, which we talked about in another episode of the show. Uh, but you started kind of your entire work life in an advertising, advertising. agency. Totally. So you kind of like 
dove headfirst into this world of marketing advertising. So what was that like? Uh, did you learn anything from it? Well, I just think it's a very different world um, because specifically advertising and working or well I just what I mean by that is working in an advertising agency where a client a business is paying you money in order to create you know creative executions to put on tv and radio and for us a lot of times it was like online digital banner ads frankly um that to me is very different than now being an entrepreneur and having products that you really believe in that you created that you feel like are going to add value to someone's life. Um, and you're able to create marketing for that. Like that's just completely different. Um, there's something that happens when it's not your product where, especially when, okay, so I, um, one of my clients was Sherwin Williams, for example, when I was working at the agency and a lot of their business is, for those of you who don't know, Sherman Williams is a paint company. It's a paint company. company. What moves the needle for them a lot is just direct mail coupons, frankly, because paint is this thing that like you're kind of buying all the time and you want to get a good price. You want to, you know, anyway, the only thing that moves the needle for them, it's not like I'm going to be like, have this big brand campaign where I'm going to fall in love with the brand of Sherwin Williams and go buy right. the paint. It's like, I just want a good I'm going to go to Home Depot. Value. I'm going to see a bunch of paint and I'm going to be like, oh, I remember Sherwin Williams. I saw right. them somewhere. That's well, advertising. Funny enough. They, they're not in Home Depot. They Lowe's. have their own, no, they're, they have their own stores. I think they are in Lowe's it now. hardware. Anyway, the point is I'm doing that when I'm at the agency and I'm just like, paint. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think is really interesting paint. about that though? Like this, the word advertising to me almost doesn't really apply to solopreneurs, online business owners. Like uh, you have small product companies, like maybe our friend uh, Jeff from Ugmunk or the guys at Peel that sell like the cases and stuff. Like I don't feel like they necessarily do advertising. Well, no, so here's the actual definition. Like oh, the way that, right, let's do it. not the definition, but like the way that I learned it is like advertising is a part of marketing, but it's paid marketing. Right. It's like, it's you're buying attention. Right. And so anything that falls under that, Oh, hello, train. train. Anything that falls under that umbrella. So Facebook ads, right? that is advertising. Right. You are, it is also marketing because right. you're trying to get your product. Didn't say thing. Yeah, nice. Trying to get your product in front of people and to get people to know about it or to get people to buy it, but you're paying for it. And so you're, you're paying to be in a place. Yeah. So I think what's interesting about just like your beginning journey through advertising is so then when you joined on with I Wear Your Shirt and what I was creating and what I was working on, I have to be honest, like I never thought about marketing for I Wear Your Shirt. The only thing that I really thought, like when you first came on, towards the end I thought about it a lot more because things weren't going well mm-hmm. and we needed to drum up attention and do mm-hmm. things. But for me, like, and I, so I think even going back for me, like I had my own design company mm-hmm. that I had after my nine to five job and the marketing that we did, airplane quotes for everybody, airplane quotes, uh, throwback is, it was just direct to friends and family and colleagues and just saying like, right. Hey, Word this is mouth. the service we have. Yeah. And do you want to buy this thing? Like we never advertised, we never paid for anything. I never did anything at all really to market our company except just talk to people. But that is marketing. Totally. So 100%. That's why I think it's interesting not to cut you off, but just as an aside, anyone out there that's listening right now, that's like marketing is such a weird nebulous thing. Like I don't know how to do it for my business or whatever. Again, going back to sort of that definition that we landed on is like, it's anything you do in order to, to tell people who don't know about your business about your business. Right. Exactly. So it can be emails to families and friends. It can be 
meeting somebody on the street and handing them a business card. It can be, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're creating a market for your product yeah. is I guess a way that I think if you find that term nebulous, you might be able to think about it. And then the ideas start coming because you go, suddenly the gate is opened up and you're like, oh, it's not just like buying Facebook ads. It's right. talking to people and how can I get in front of people? And um, I'm going to let you keep saying what you're saying, but I don't want to forget I wear your shirt. So go ahead. Oh, I thought you were going to like, like so there was something on my shirt. No. Like you got a little mustard on your, your shirt. shirt, and I'd be like, I don't like mustard. How could I have mustard on my shirt? And then we go down this whole rabbit hole. God, I love condiments and I want a sandwich. It would just be a weird thing for everybody. Uh, anywho, so when I started I your shirt, it was very much just what I knew. It came naturally to me, which was reaching out to people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big thing that's carried over through all of our projects over the years. And then people, you know, they come to me or us for advice and marketing, and it's kind of hard to give it because it's like. People want the, oh, here's the strategy. You do X, Y, and Z. And it's it's not reaching out to friends and family. It's not doing word of mouth things. It's not directly emailing people. Like they want something else. They want some system that they like buy into. But see, I think we should talk about that later because I do think there's a system. Oh no, no totally agree. And I, I think and I, I think reaching out to friends and family is no, in the system. This is in this is literally what I created the how to get sponsorships course for mm -hmm. was the system that I had created, which was a repeatable process that I could do. But I think for a lot of people they don't even think of that as marketing and advertising. Reaching out to friends and family. Right. Right. If they're that's like, your point, I totally agree. They're like, well, what about direct, uh, you know, They, they jump straight to the, all the more traditional. All the traditional things. Yeah. Um, so anyway, what I was going to say is, so with I Reassured, it became successful only through word of mouth. There was literally nothing else. I didn't have a PR company, a publicist, anything. It was just me doing things. And right. then I think going back to what you said in the very beginning, the website was interesting. It was fine. The calendar was really weird. The pricing was the biggest piece of marketing, which is actually a piece of marketing, which, okay, this is what I want to talk about because you're saying that and you're going, you know, I reassure in the, in the early days, like I didn't really do a lot of marketing. And what you're, what you're really saying when you say that is I didn't strategically try right. to come up with ways to get in I front of people. I didn't, yeah. I and, didn't have a marketing plan. And, and you know why that is because the idea itself was so interesting and so different. And so this is one thing I want to talk about with people is if you want to know the easiest way to market your business, do something that is worth paying attention to. Right. Do it differently. Even some, That's might, what say. I, some might say that some might say, some might say do it differently Bing. on books. These are winks Bing, winking. <laughs> on bookshelves, 2019. Um, I think that's a really key thing. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to be the most groundbreaking business or the groundbreaking product. It just means if you can bake something into your business that, that makes people go, huh, I haven't seen that before. You're already doing yourself a great, Service. Can we go like really quick example? Cause I think this is going to super help all, me, but I just touching my leg under the table <laughs> and I know we've been married for a while now, but I'm, it's sort of making me feel flirty. So <laughs> I like it and I would like you to do it again. <laughs> I'm kind of sad that we didn't think of maybe calling the show like podcast footsie. <laughs> and then and every, footsie the whole time? every episode was people trying to understand, are they playing footsie? Are they not? Are they playing footsie? Up to us? Uh, the reason I touched you is cause I, I was like, you need to stop. <laughs> You did it again, and it again is making me feel super flirty, and you need to stop. I'm dying. I'm dying. I think it's because you don't, you don't do it a lot. Like, you don't touch me a lot. So, we don't do enough laundry. So I'm, yeah, yeah, there's not enough laundry so I'm like, done. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. I'm so nervous. Uh, we both have tears in our eyes. Oh this is fantastic. Okay. Can we go out for a drink uh, later? <laughs> Do you want to go to a movie? Or oh my God. Uh, also like, why is it movie or romantic? Anyway. anyway okay. Anyway. So what I was going to say was 
Let's go back to Sherwin-Williams, for example. Sherwin-Williams uh, is a new paint company. No one's ever heard of them. And they're like, hey, we're Sherwin-Williams. We're going to be a paint company. Guess what? Paint exists. Yeah. Everyone knows about paint. Everyone knows about other brands. You're not going to just put your paint on shelves and people aren't going to buy it. You have to do, do things something. for people to go, oh, that's Sherwin-Williams. Or I see them all the time or whatever. So or they, I want to buy it. Over, or it's, it's just, quality. And or, it's illustrating your point of like, if it's not new and if it exists and if a market exists for a thing and you're just a new product, you have to do something to stand out. So here is like the most important part of this for me, which I think is for everyone listening to this. Okay. If you're a designer, if you're a blogger, if you're a software company, if you're a whatever, insert whatever business you do, guess what? Someone else already does it. Yeah. So you are not going to succeed just by putting up a website, saying you offer these saying, services. I do X, Y, and Z. And just going... Yeah. Anybody want to pay me? And, yep. and and I will caveat that some people are talented enough and some people have enough connections built in already that it will work for them. And it's the very rare few. Because their differentiator is their talent. Is their quality. Is their yeah, quality. Exactly. And but that I, stands alone. I think that there places. are a lot of people who have immense quality yep. and get no work. Right. And, if you're not the 1% of that, right. you're still extremely talented, but you fall in this commoditized section where right. you're blending in with all these people. And that's where I think branding comes in. And this is why when I left advertising. And when I started my own design studio, I loved branding because I was like, here are all these people that literally are in a quote, quote unquote, sea of sameness, which we use that phrase a lot. Everyone's the same. And so I found that branding was so cool because I'm a very emotional person. I'm a very visual person and to me flirty brand at this point. flirty some might say <laughs> and i think that branding is the intersection of trying to communicate emotion and tone through aesthetics and so that's that's where you can differentiate yourself it's a combination of things right it's messaging it's communicating it's it's figuring out what about you is different but that's the the whole underlying point that we're trying to make is like, you have to then look inward. If you're going to market your business and you're in this like commoditized industry, you have to look inward to figure out what is different about you and go one step further, which is to then communicate that you can't right. just be like, Oh, I'm different. Yeah. And I think the, the myth with branding is for a lot of people, they're just like, well, there's nothing interesting about me. And it's like, well, if you're thinking that way, that's guess what? Like you've already counted yourself. Oh out. my God. That's my favorite thing is when people say that. Or another, why is, it, why is it your favorite? Thing? Because it's not true. And right. it's like the easiest myth to debunk is like, right. we're all, it, it sounds so cliche, but we're all humans and we're all unique snowflakes, obviously. Yeah. And, but it's true, right? Yeah. Like we all have different experiences and different talents and strengths and ways that we see the world. And there's all these different ways. And so ways that you approach your work processes, there's all these opportunities for you to do something differently than other people in your industry. You just have to really have take the effort to figure out what that is and then communicate that. So again, you can tell I'm really passionate about branding. I do love yeah, it. Yeah, no. And I think that we both are very passionate about it. I think even before, like I, I would agree, I would think you would agree that I wear your shirt had a pretty strong brand when yeah. you came like, and yeah, which wasn't even intentional. In no, your part. not at all. It literally just, it had good design because yep. I had a designer that I was business partners with and he was really good and created a good logo and I had good photos taken cause there was a good photographer. So it was all these things kind of worked together, but I just kept thinking every time I made a new website, I think there were five total different websites for I wear your shirt. Every single one, I just kept thinking, how can this website stand out for someone? Yep. And I, Yep. And, and how can it also, if the brand is going to revolve around me and for a lot of you listening to this or watching this, 
business, your brand revolves around you. And that just is, you just have to understand that then pour more of you into it. Completely. I think the smartest thing that you did with that brand that you didn't do intentionally. And it was just because like you said, you did put yourself into it is you made it fun. Yeah. Like if there was one word to describe I wear your shirt as a brand, I would say it was fun. And the thing that's notable about that is you were an advertising company. Yeah. People were buying ad space on your chest for lack of a better term to promote their company. Not on my thing. And so, Not on your thing, on your <laughs> chest. And so when you think of advertising companies, you think of like direct mail or you think of like people buying ad spots or media companies. It's very boring. It's very dry. It's very corporate. And so your unintentional marketing strategy was I'm now the fun advertising option. If I, if you're a small business and you don't have a ton of money to spend on advertising and you want it to be fun and you're fun, come to I wear your shirt and we're going to make it fun. And that I think served you immensely well. Like if you had put up a website that had the calendar and had everything about it, but it was very cut and dry and, and actually some copycats like did that. And oh, I feel yeah. like it they didn't have the branding wherewithal to make it fun and they failed because yeah. it was just like too. And I think people like the internet has created a, a hypersensitive bullshit radar for people. So when they go to a website and they're like, I think I've seen this type of website before. Mm -hmm. or I think I've seen these types of photos or this type of copy. And that's why I think for so many people, when they're putting up their website and maybe they're following some formula or they're, mm -hmm. you know, some thing that some branding expert or whatever told them like here are the steps you have to follow it's why it doesn't actually stand out and it's why it feels so cookie cutter this is my favorite irony when now, do you get flirty at all when you touch your own leg it doesn't feel the same okay i mean there are benefits but it doesn't feel the same <laughs> We're getting into weird territory and i like it <laughs> this is my favorite irony when it comes to marketing which is that especially in the online entrepreneur world if you are a new business and you want to market your business, what do you do? You go to Google and you go to marketing blogs or you go to on other online entrepreneurs you and you see book. what are the, what are the marketing things that I should be doing as a new business, right? That you go and look for a blueprint for you to follow. The ultimate irony there is that by going to look for a blueprint to market your business, you are literally just fitting in with every other business. So when I go to online entrepreneur websites and I see like the big hero image and like the email sign up. Do you want to shout anybody out? Do you <laughs> no. put anybody on blast? No. no? The, no. the lead magnet and all this stuff. I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't work. And I'm not saying that that, I mean, it's certainly better than a website that does nothing for you. You know what I mean? So it's a good first step, but I do sort of see a lot of the same things over and over where I go, okay, but now it's time to take that one step further and ask yourself, how can I totally do something differently. You yeah. know, I, I really believe this just came to me. And I think this is something that we both have done, um, with all of our projects, all the things we've worked on is that when you're starting your company, when you're putting up your website, when you're doing all these different things, the intention is that you're putting in all this work and effort so that if someone comes to it, they could literally go, and this goes back to word of mouth, but they could literally go to a friend and they could go, hey, I just saw this website uh, made vibrant, I'm wandering aimfully, I wear your shirt, and it was really cool. They do this, this, and this. And I think for the majority of people's websites on the internet, there's no reason for anyone to go tell a friend about a thing that they saw. Mm -hmm. And I think that you just find that so often because so many people just do exactly what you said. It's like all the marketing blog tips to increase conversions, to increase traffic, to do all this stuff. But yet, if, uh, if they were to actually ask someone who came to their website to tell them about their website, number one, they wouldn't do it with enthusiasm. Yeah. They'd be like, oh yeah, you're like a designer and you have really good photos. Mm -hmm. 
and they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't go out of their way to go and tell someone else that they found this thing that they thought was cool. Yeah. And I think for me personally, that has been a guiding principle of all of my ideas. And it's why so often people are like, uh, you know, they, they want to hear about all the failures. And it's why I don't have a lot of failures. It's because there's so much work that gets done ahead of time to go, will someone talk about this? Yeah. Will, is this idea interesting enough? Can I make the website really uh, fun and unique and different? Because at that point, I'm already setting myself up for success so that someone comes to my website and they go, I could go tell my friend about this. This, yeah. this was crazy. This is cool. I haven't seen anything like this. So I'm winning the marketing game in that respect because I've done stuff that people want to talk about. Yes, and I think there's two things there that I want to talk about, which is... I wish there were three. I'll come up with a third pillar. Thank you. <laughs> the two things I want to talk about with that are, I definitely think that cool factor is something that I feel like you're talking about, right? Like, yeah. does it have something that is different and memorable enough that I'd want to tell my friends about? That's great. I also think, going back to our branding conversation, that another po powerful tool is emotional resonance. Yeah, for sure. So, if you're... There is such a thing as being able to tell somebody what you do, but being able to tell them why you do it, what makes you you, what your values are, so that that person can read that on your website or feel it through the branding or feel it through the emotional tone that you're projecting and go, wow, like I'm in the right place. This feels like me. And so that, so your interpretation of that is like cool factor, like just be different and be unique and be memorable. And I think that's great. I think another way to be memorable is to just draw your line in the sand in terms of what you stand for mm -hmm. and who you are and be willing to actually repel other people that aren't about that. And that's a way to, I always say like in my branding course, be like a magnet, right? So if, if you are just trying to do like be a net where you're just like, let me just catch whoever comes by. You're going to get all these people that aren't resonating with who you are and what you do. But if you're a magnet, which means you have to actually take a stand, you have to say, I am all about authenticity. Like I'm saying this for made vibrant or for my case, I'm all about authenticity. Um, I'm all about vulnerability. Like if you don't want to talk about your feelings, don't come to my website, all that stuff so that somebody can get there and go, you know what? I don't want to talk about my feelings. I don't want to confront what the underlying nature of all the things that I do as a creative are fine, move along. And so by doing that, yes, I'm going to repel some people, but I'm also going to attract a lot more people, the right people. Yeah. And so for me, like the cool factor is a great way to do that. But I also think that emotional, emotional resonance is a great way to do that. The second thing I want to talk about is I always talk about the difference between good design and good branding mm -hmm. and there's a difference. Yeah. So the, all the websites I was talking about before, you can have a good a well-designed website. It can have beautiful typography. It can have enough white space. It can have beautiful photos. It can have great colors. All these things where you're like, this is professional. This is great. Maybe I'll read this. I'll stick around for a second. But great branding makes you feel something. It's not just communicating with you so that you understand what the person does. It's making you feel like, do I want to build a relationship with this person slash this business? And in our case, also with the memorability thing, that's where I feel like the marketing can go one step further. So you can hire a great designer to, to have a good, a well-designed website. But if you go that extra step to say, is this memorable, which is what we're always trying to ask ourselves. Um, then I feel like you're really giving yourself a leg up. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's not as difficult as people think mm -hmm. it's. And I think this boils down a lot to with marketing. People always want the easy way out. And it's just human nature. Like I'm not going to fault everybody who has a business and they have kids and they have all these things to do and they're tired and you know, they're just looking for the easy win. But guess what? If you're always looking for the easy win, you're not going to win. 
You need yeah. to find the things that really make you stand out. And a lot of time that takes investing in putting in that work and doing the self-exploration and maybe working with someone who actually understands how to pull those things out of you. Yep. And and I, I actually, so like one point for me, when, when I launched my Buy My Future project in 2015, I very easily could have written the copy on the sales page. But I for that project, I felt like I needed to go one step further and I needed to hire a copywriter mm -hmm. who could just pull some stuff out of me that was like buried deep inside or maybe that I just thought wasn't that important or didn't really Or that resonate. you didn't have the skills to craft into website copy. Absolutely. And so Hillary Weiss, shout out Hillary Weiss. Uh, I had a call with her. Uh, she was super fun. I love the copy on her own website. And I ended up paying her to write most of the copy for the site. And then I would go in and like zhuzh it up myself mm -hmm. and I would add my own little things. But it was the best money I think I spent because we heard from people. Mm -hmm. They were like, I love the copy, like the uh, jetpacks that you're going to give away. Like, it was just like little funny things that people remembered. That's what it takes is those little memorability moments because that does both things. It, it creates the emotional resonance as well. And again, it goes back to my point of like, then someone wants to go tell someone about that. They right. want to go, go read the sales page. Like this is a sales page like you've never seen before. This product is super weird. This guy is super weird or whatever, but it's just, it's fun. It's yeah. interesting. It's different. Yeah. I think another tip that might help people is just kind of still harping on this whole branding thing and how do you make sure that you stand out? Cause like it's easier said than done is shifting your mindset from trying to work from the outside in to trying to work from the inside out. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is a, going back to my example before a lot of people, they go, if they're trying to market their website or they're trying to redesign their website, they go out and look for inspiration, right? They go outside to see what people are doing in their industry or whatever. And that's a key thing. They look in their industry. Well, exactly. Right. Um, and then they try to reverse engineer that for themselves because they feel like, oh, this is what I should be doing. They're trying to go outside in versus just looking at who you are as a person and going through the, the exercises to be like, who am I? What do I want my business to stand for? And then working from the inside out to create branding and design that goes for that. Those are some exercises I go through in the better branding course. But the reason I bring that up is also, I remember when we were going to do wandering aimfully and you were like, I want you to do the branding for it. And I hadn't done branding in a while. And I was nervous because I was like, okay, like, how are we going to make this different? How are we going to make it stand out? How am I going to combine your aesthetic and your personality, which is different from mine into my aesthetic and my personality? How am I going to bring sort of made vibrant and Jason does stuff together? And I had this moment where I was like, you know what? I just need to trust my own process of working from the inside out. So I just took every single step of that branding process and said, okay, we did the whole brand canvas exercise. What is this business? What's the foundation? What are we going to sell? Who are we trying to attract? And then it was like, okay, now what brand tone words do we want to be represented? And I just took it one step at a time. And because I was working from a place that is inherently unique, mm -hmm. which we all are, the end product was something that is inherently unique. Like, right. yes, Wandering Aimfully, Wandering Aimfully is a business membership. Right, which is not super unique. Which is not super unique, but if you look at our website, I think it's memorable. I think it doesn't feel like a replica of something else that you see. There are elements of it that are whimsical. There are elements of it that are super like rebellious and a lot of black. And then you've got like the weird bright green coming in. There are elements of it that are feminine. There are elements of it that are masculine. And I didn't set out to do all of that because if I had, I don't think I would have been able to accomplish it. But by working from the inside out, I was able to reach that end product because it, we are inherently unique. And so that's the DNA of it. All right. I think that is the perfect place to transition into what we think are the, I just, you know, I got it. No, 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 no. We're not going to. For those gonna... of you who are only listening, Jason, Jason's OCD kicked in and he had to 
fix the books so they were perfectly straight that we are sitting books. on the table? There's some books on the table. Also, I'm doing a little bit of marketing. Did you notice that? Book marketing. Your Brightest Life wow, book by wow, Caroline wow. So, Zook. It's subliminal marketing. Now available on Amazon.com. Okay. Uh, not now available. It's available. Uh, anyway, uh, I think that's a good transition to talk about probably the the two outside of word of mouth marketing. So let's step aside from that, by the way. Oh, I did want to give a, a quick shout out to you. Um, I would love for you to do that. Betterbrandingcourse.com. There's a free course you can go through. This is pretty much the process we go through with every new project boiled down in a much faster version. The course itself has like a way more robust version, which we would also recommend, but we're not going to ask you to buy anything. There's a free course you can check out betterbrandingcourse.com. If you're like, guys, I don't know how to do branding. I don't know how to find, you know, my internal awesomeness and then my special snowflakeness. This is how you can find it. So go to betterbrandingcourse.com. Yeah. Take the free email course. It's really helpful. It's it is super really helpful. helpful. Thanks yeah. for that. Um, I worked really hard on it as well. Yeah. So I think we should talk about, so word of mouth thing we've talked about a lot. Uh, there's a lot we could talk about with that, but that's kind of nebulous. Let's talk about two specific things mm -hmm. that we use constantly mm -hmm. for our projects. One of them is email marketing, which I would say we both believe is the most important way that we I totally agree. Market. And you know what's super meta is that you just gave a shout out to an email course, I did, I which did. is a, I didn't even think about that, which is a free course that is meant to market a product, a product. And the second thing I want to talk about is social, social media. What is it? Social in the beginning. Social. Ooh, how are we going to, how are we going to keep this to under four hours of conversation? I can't wait because you've come around a little bit, a little bit. So let's, Let's talk about social media. Okay. Um, I firmly believe that social media is the second, third, fourth, or last step in your marketing plan. Because I would agree with that. Starting with social media is basically setting you up to compete with everybody else yes. who's already doing everything. And most important thing. Yes. Social media platforms, every single one of them has a feed of some sort where people consume their content, yes. their photos, their videos, their posts, whatever. And guess what people do with feeds? They scroll. scroll through them. Agreed. And your messaging has so little chance of standing out amongst everything else that people are scrolling through. That's why for me, investing so much time upfront in social media first as a main point of attack, and this is what I just think so many people do these days, is they sign up for all the social media accounts, they hire a social media marketing company, do all this stuff before doing something like having a really good email strategy mm -hmm. or just having a really great website with great branding and all these different things. So I do think there's value to social media, which we will talk about. Yes. I think it is after the fact of email. So I'm going to put the ball in your court to choose our own adventure here on where to go next. Of If you would like to talk about email No, social media. You social already freaking, you, you opened Pandora's box. All right. All of the things that you just said, I totally agree with. If we're going to talk about the layer cake of setting up like a strong foundation for your business. I don't love cake. Can it be a layer muffin for our muffin tops out there? That's not how muffins work. And layered muffins. That's a new idea. <laughs> you want to stand out in the muffin industry? Layered, layered muffins. Layered muffins. Good. Yeah. Uh, ah. She's on board, folks. Okay. I just mean, I'll use a different metaphor. You're building a house. You want it to be structurally sound. You want it to last forever, a long your, time. Your business is your house. Your business is your house. Yeah. The foundation of that is your brand and is your website. It's your your 
home. It's the place where people are going to, to go to learn more about you. I think getting that right and, and starting and potentially buy from you. So exactly. like the buying experience of your yeah. thing yeah. needs to be straightforward. Yep. The pricing needs to be understandable. Yep. The value that you get from the thing that you buy, how it's going to impact the customer's life upon which they buy this thing. Right. So it's very different. Just very quickly, this from Kathy Sierra's book, Badass Making Users Awesome, just changed my mind about how you position marketing, where she essentially would say, if you're a photographer or if you're someone teaching photography, you don't tell someone, I'm going to teach you how to use the camera. That's not what you tell someone. You tell someone, I'm going to teach you how to become a better photographer mm -hmm. because that's really what people want. Right. They want to what, take better photos. What you're talking about is the benefit versus the features. Exactly. So tell somebody how they're going to be a better version of themselves with your product or your business and not how you're going to get them there. Or if your we'll product... Yes, tell them both, but really harp on the benefit. And if, you know, going back to the like product-based companies, so like my friend Jeff with Ugmunk or the guys at Peel, like their products aren't necessarily going to make your life better, but they are going to make your phone more protected. They're going to make yeah. your phone look good and slim with the Peel cases. Mm -hmm. Jeff's products are going to make you have a minimal aesthetic while also having nice, good quality clothing uh, that's not harming the environment to be made. It's being made in America. And all so the idea of benefit versus features is start with that. Right. And yes, you can tell them that you know it's made out of like polycarbonate blah 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 Ooh, nice. and yes that it's you know that we went through 12 different designs to get the perfect like all those things because that's the how that he's going to have you have a better organized desk or make you feel right. like a more organized person you can do both but like really selling the benefit so anyway that's a total aside mm -hmm. my point was if we're talking about order of operations getting your website your well really getting your branding first executing that onto a website. Yes, that's the core. Then getting your email marketing right. Making sure that you you are creating an opportunity to be in people's inboxes your, and provide value. Your email marketing is kind of like your driveway up to your doorstep. It's like people need a path to get right. to you. You're building exactly. You're building a driveway. Because you can build a really nice house in the middle of nowhere, but if there's no if there are no roads to get to it, people can't get to your house. Right. Well, this metaphor is getting so messed up because I'm like, <laughs> well, really, content marketing is also you're building roads to your house. Yeah, but you can build multiple roads, which I think we. Ooh, I know. Content marketing is building roads to your house. Yes. But email marketing is setting up like a security guard. Okay. So somebody has to go through, like, that's how they get to your house. They have okay. to go through there. So then, you know, anyway, it's really <laughs> bad. Okay. My whole point is let's go super simplified website and brand at the bottom. Yeah. Foundation. It's like a pyramid, like a food pyramid. That's right. Yeah. Foundation. Next layer, email marketing. Yes. So you can keep that line of communication open in a more intimate channel of communication, which would be email on top of that is social media. Right. And and content marketing is actually somewhere in between there. But those yeah, are say, all... I would say content lives between email and social. Yeah. So content being articles, videos, podcasts. Because truly, like, like even if you had no blog posts, if you set up an email capture on your website and said, hey, I do a newsletter, that in, a, in essence is content. Right. Um, so yeah, okay. If we're talking about order of operations, website and branding at the bottom. Email marketing right above that. Content marketing, like having a blog or creating videos or podcasts above that. And social media finally at the top. However... The, so you and I are on the same page with that, which is social media should be supplemental marketing. Yeah. Where we differ is that I still think that if you don't utilize it, 
you're missing a really big opportunity to get people to those deeper pillars. Well, and here's the thing where I will agree with you is that people are on social media. That's where they spend their time. People spend the majority of their time. But like, I think we are proof that like we're not on Facebook. We don't use Facebook, haven't used Facebook in years. And Facebook is the biggest platform where people spend the most of their time and attention. And yet we don't use it. We're not there. We're not promoting right, because on there. we and choose that the cost for us does not outweigh. And my point is that we, we have businesses that make money and we don't have to be on that platform. And I right. think so many people go, I have to I be have on to Facebook be that everyone's there. It's like, no, you don't. So like with wandering Aimfully, we were, uh, we talked about social media and what our plan was going to be. And we decided it's basically Instagram only. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say YouTube is a little bit social media, but it's Instagram only. And that's where we're going to post more of kind of like the behind the scenes or the lifestyle or all the different things we want to share yeah. about wandering aimfully. And when we open up doors for our membership, that's our, our, our group of people that are following us that can then hear about that on a consistent right. basis. And that's where I think it is really powerful is like as a reminder, I and mean, I, yes, you're going to get some organic people finding you that way, but I don't think that's the majority. I think it's just being present. And I think now we have, we're bombarded with so many marketing messages all the time that you need repetition yeah, and you and need constant presence. I am 100% an advocate of the fact that people, and this came from somewhere, some study somewhere back in the day, cool, really of, well sourced of the four to seven touch points someone needs yeah. before they buy a product Yeah, and specifically an online product. And yeah. I think just online business has become just, it's, it's everywhere. It's, you know, everyone can put up a blog and sell a, a course and do all this stuff now is that people need multiple touch points and those touch points, guess what they need to be? Not just, Hey, buy my stuff. Here it is. The emotional resonance, mm -hmm. the, the branding, the, the benefit, difference, the benefit, the benefit, the benefit. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's probably 75% the benefit mm -hmm. and 25%. Hey, reminder of here's how much it is. Mm -hmm. Here's what it is. Um, all those different things. I would really like to come back around to the five to seven touch points conversation. When it's we, four to seven, the four to seven touch points because conversation. Because I have a source. I have a source. Super well sourced. Yeah. When we talk about email marketing, because this was a huge thing for me. To, do you just want to jump into that? Yeah, sure. Let's jump into email. Okay. Well, when you're saying that four to seven touch points, I think something, there's so much we could talk about with email marketing, but I think one thing that's really important for people to remember when they're marketing a product is they want to send one email about it. Oh yeah. And then, and then be like, why didn't anyone buy? Let's dive into why they want to send one email. Why do people only send one email? Because people are very uncomfortable selling. Yes. And I think that there is, there is so much to be said for overcoming the fear that you are a bad person if you send sales emails mm -hmm. or that, or that you're you, pushy or you're sleazy or you're and, only and concerned with money or all these fears. We have been selling things via email for years now. Mm -hmm. And specifically the buy my future, buy our future, now wandering aimfully. I cannot remember a time when anyone ever replied and said, you send too many sales emails mm -hmm. because here's the thing. The sales emails are never buy my thing, buy my thing. It's open buy my thing. So if someone were listening to this and they're like, okay guys, well tell me how I should send some sales emails for the product that I'm selling. Here's a perfect example of how we sell wandering aimfully sure. as an example, let's get tactical as an example, specifically of the thing that we sell. So the first day that we open it up, it's really all about the benefits. Mm -hmm. So it's all about it's it. So he's sorry. Let me just back up. So people back it up. You're going to specifically walk them through the seven day email sequence, sequence that, that we, we use to sell wandering inflate. That's what he's going to walk you through right now and tell you what 
kind of how many emails we do, what each of those is uh, targeted towards. And this is also a test for me to remember. <laughs> yeah. And that's coming from, we, you know, this sequence works. So right. we use this sequence last, uh, last launch to get our 30 members. This launch, we're using it to a much smaller group and it seems to be tracking pretty well. Yep. So um, we feel confident that it does work. And so walk them so through. So first email is essentially, it, I think it's three things, three pillars of content <laughs> in this email. I'm going to keep doing the pillars. Uh, the first thing is, hey, this thing is open and for sale, right. which so many people just take for granted if they sell things constantly. They think that when they open up sales on their website or when they post things on social media that everyone knows. Guess what? No. Not everyone and knows. And some people are afraid to put that right at the top because, again, of the sleazy thing right. where it's like, oh, gosh, it's like the go here to buy this. Yeah. That feels weird. What you have to do, I'll, this is like fun because you're going to walk them through it. And yeah. I'm going to be like the commentary. Do but it. what you have to remember is you have to put yourself in the shoes of the various types of people that are going to be opening this email. There's going to be a whole contingent. Hopefully if you've done a good job of, you know, leading up to whatever this launch is or this product is, and you've been leading people through that process, which hello, that's good marketing as well. Um, there's going to be a whole group of people that are itching to buy it. Yeah. Hopefully. Well, yeah. And you've done a good job. If you've done a good job, or even if there's one person, doesn't matter. You want to make that as easy as possible for yeah. that person to buy right away. So usually in that first email, the very first is, hey, if you've been waiting for this to open up, guess what? It's open now. Here's the link. Go buy it. First pillar is that. Is that. Second pillar is the benefits. Yes. So how is this thing going to help someone in their life? And again, like if you're a product-based company that might not do that, it's you have to come up with those benefits. You have to figure it out. So um, so we clearly talk about how Wondering If is going to give people inspiration, motivation, community. It's going to help them get their business in order. It's going to help them get a podcast. Going. It's all these Identify their values, yep. design a life around their values. All this stuff. Then the third pillar is the stuff. What's in it? So that what is, the heck is it? here's all the resources that you get. Here are the uh, different courses, the workshops, all this different stuff that you're going to have access to and the community and, this and is, the access to us. And this is also super important because sometimes people, you're so close to a thing that you're creating. Let's say you're creating like a new program and you're like, it's got coaching calls and it's got like worksheets and it's got this and that. And there's stuff in it that you've been very thoughtful about and you've been thinking about it the entire time. You put it out into the world and you're like, here's my like awesome new person, uh, new you transformation program. And people are like, what is it right. though? Right. Is it is a it, book? Is, is it, it a call? Is it, is yeah. it? And so you forget sometimes to be very explicit in what it is. And one of the, the biggest tips that we could give you if you're going to be doing any type of selling at all, not just email is show the thing to people who are close to you, who are around you, that can give you feedback before showing it to everybody. Yeah. Because when you show it to everybody and you haven't done that groundwork to figure out if you're talking about it in a way that people understand it, you've now missed an opportunity for someone to go, oh, this resonates. Now you have to like play catch up to get them Caveat, make sure that person is someone who's in your potential Don't audience. Your Don't show it to your mom. Don't show it to your Don't mom. Don't even show it to your best friend. Don't show it to your mom. Show it to somebody who you would think would be in the same type of mindset that would actually buy it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's our first email. And yep. one other tip that I will give on email is that we don't care about the length of a sales email. Nope. So many people... Uh, we'll worry about, oh, this email's too long. I mean, I think our first sales email is like 3,200 words. It's a lot. It's a lot. And people read it. And you know why? Because people are thinking about buying something and they need to understand if it's right for them. Mm -hmm. So you give them enough to go on. So, okay. So the second email is, oh man, now I have to figure this out. Um, what is the second email? I know what the, um, oh, I know what the second email is. Uh, phew, teamwork. Uh, it's the return one. Oh, yes. How to 20x your investment. Yeah. So we've had multiple people who are members who have taken their one to $2,000 that they've spent, uh, you know, in the various different ways that we've sold this thing, and they've 
10, 20, 30 X their investment mm-hmm. based on going through our courses, uh, interacting with us, asking questions, figuring out their business, working with the community. And they've taken say $2,000 and they've turned it into $20,000 return. Mm-hmm. So we literally walk through a story, shout out to Pam, who uh, has been someone that we've highlighted and Brendan, shout out also, uh, he was a 30 X return mm-hmm. on his investment, which is amazing, 32 I believe. Uh, and so we actually walk through their story yep. and specifically what they did mm-hmm. to do those things. And there's a couple of things that are at play in that email. Let's play it. Number one is speaking to a fear or an objection that somebody has, which is, am I, am I going to get my money out of this? And not, is it worth the money? Not doing it in a way that like, Hey, are you afraid you're not going to have money next right. month? Like we don't play that game no, no, at no. all. But it's just recognizing again, to go back to the ultimate sort of marketing tip here, which is put yourself in the shoes of your potential buyer. They're wondering to themselves, as we all do when we buy a pair of jeans or when we buy whatever is, am I going to wear these? You know, am I going to use this thing? And is it going to be worth my money? And so by showing them that they can get a return on their money, we're basically trying to speak to that, um, not fear even because it's not like speaking to that fear but it's like trying to it's it's almost just make them feel good about their purchase and it's also just speaking to the unknown factor for them of what is this right so it's like oh this is this oh this can help me do this right there's a lot of unknowns that people have when they're looking at buying something whether it's our thing or your thing or whatever and you have to fill in the gaps for them to understand what that is right so that that was gonna bring me to my next point, which is by walking them through stories of people that are using the stuff, to Jason's point, you're showing them how to use your product. You're showing them, you're not just saying this can help you become X, Y, and Z and deliver that benefit, but you're saying this helped these people in these ways. And so so that's one thing. You're like, really, it's the show don't tell thing, right? The third thing is that it's kind of the social proof thing, which is like people have bought this before. We're not just like weirdos on the internet who are like selling you the dream and gonna just, you know, take your money and run. Um, the fourth thing is then really allowing them to see themselves in these people. For sure. And I think that an objection that someone might have listening or watching to this is, well, I don't have anybody who's bought my stuff yet. And that is very important for you to understand, get someone to buy your stuff or get someone to try it out for free and give you feedback and tell the story. And, and so a lot of or this again, goes price. back to, you can't do this overnight. There's yeah. no easy win. You have to put in time and effort to make this happen. Yep. Okay. So first email has the three pillars. That's on like a Monday, just to give yep. you a time frame. Second email day after Tuesday. Uh, so that's kind of like the social proof, um, you know, people return. Yeah, return. Yeah. Uh, third email is then two days after that. Thursday. And that email has kind of changed, but it, it basically revolves around two things. One is what is coming up that you're going to get out of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So what can you look forward to? Like, yes, we have all this other stuff that you already get access to, but what's also upcoming? Because that's kind of like, ooh, I'm excited. Ooh, and if you're not watching I'm the video, I'm doing like a, whoa, hey, hey, whoa, what's going on? This is exciting. I'm, I don't know what's going on. You're freaking me out. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Um, but it, it does. It gets people, it whets their appetite, if we're being honest. And it gets them like, oh, yeah, I can look forward to that. Yeah. So buying into this, I get all this other stuff. And then also I can get this stuff in the future. Yep. And, and that may not pertain to what you sell, but maybe you can think about just some added benefits that they can get down the road with the product that yeah. you're selling them. So maybe that's just the longevity of how long your product's going to last mm-hmm. or that they can look forward to, um, you know, collaborating with other people or I don't know, whatever it is, you're going to come up with it. But then the other thing that we did in that email as well is we actually did some 
some additional social proof. And this is where we do have a slight advantage, and we will admit that, that we have community members who are building things, who are doing things, and have been for the past couple years, that we can highlight when they have wins. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of mixed those two things in that email. Yes. Okay. Then... You want to move to the next email? Yeah. Oh, I'm on a roll. I know what's going on now. The next email is then two days after that. So you may realize like, whoa, this is a lot of emails. Yes, it is. Okay. Okay. Can I have an aside about that? Let's have an aside about a lot of emails. This is my favorite thing. Because this was like a really aha moment when it came to email marketing for me. Also, can we take a step back? Sure. Can we have you admit to the people out there who are probably thinking a lot like you were Mm -hmm. about email marketing and selling before is that you felt like this is too many emails. This is too many emails. I was like, I don't want to be showing up in people's inboxes this much. It makes me feel weird. And like, I'm shoving it down people's throats or whatever. Fine. What you have to realize is that the way that email marketing works is not every person is going to even care to read every single email. Oh, it's okay? so rare. If they are, then they enjoy what you're writing and they, they're considering your product. So great. You don't have to worry about them. Don't worry about people seeing your name in their inbox that much. If they don't like what you're doing, if they're annoyed by it, they're going to unsubscribe. And therefore, Jason, I always talk about this. This is a big, big thing that you taught me. You want two kinds of people on your email list. Yes. You want people who are going to buy things from you, or if they're never going to buy things from you, you want people who are not annoyed that you, that you want people to buy things from you. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, you create probably if you have a content, if you have a business and you're creating content and you're putting stuff out into the world, you are probably giving away value for free. That's a key part of like the content marketing equation is like give value so you can build trust. And then people will hopefully say, I want to buy from you. Great. But there's this thing that happened with like online entrepreneurs where once we all figured that out and we were going to give value and stuff, we forgot that that's worth something. Mm -hmm. And so if you're giving away value for free and somebody's annoyed because you're trying to actually make money while also doing that, you do not want to pay for them to be on your email list. Let them unsubscribe. Let them be annoyed. Let them go find someone else that they can get free information from. If they reply to you with a nasty email, unsubscribe them. (laughs) This is something I do often and we don't have to do it as much as I used to have to do it. But when you, when I had a bigger list before and that list wasn't as focused because I didn't have my house in order, I didn't know what I was doing. I would get angry emails back from me like, I didn't sign up for this. And I'm like, okay, uh, I'm just going to unsubscribe you then. Yeah. Like why even reply back? Just unsubscribe. Like this isn't for you then. And I want you to really, really think about what I'm saying right now because you're talking to me or them. I want you to listen to me. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to them. I want you to hear. I me. want you to listen to that because I'm serious. Like it's something that I had a really hard time wrapping my head around. But now once I started to see that, I, it made a lot of sense to me, which is like, if you want to earn a living doing what you love, you have to have people who are going to pay you for that. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you keep people on your list that are never going to pay you money and, and are going to then be annoyed by you, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. You're just, you're, you're never going to win. You're shouting into, you know, an empty hallway that is never going to And pay we off. should be totally honest that you can make a really good living from a really small email list. Totally. And, uh, I will say before I forget, I'll try and remember to mention this again, wanderingamefleet.com slash audience is our exact strategy in building an email list with intention, uh, with all the things that we're talking about here, with creating a schedule for people to get used to your content and how to keep them interested in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's a big guide on how to do that. So wanderinginfo.com slash audience. Okay. Quickly so. going back to my, I just want to wrap up the number of emails thing. Sure. Not everyone is going to see every one of those emails. So you really have to remember that one or two is not going to cut it. You really, and secondly, you, especially for a product like, well, first of all, 
when we were selling Buyer Future, which was a $2,000 product, you really need to walk people through a story of what's going to get them to the place where they're going to make that type of investment. Or even for our community, which is $100 a month, we want to show people all the different ways that can kind of present that that offer to them in a way where they can f- feel, again, go through that story and feel like they might want to buy. And give yourself the credit that it, or give yourself your product the credit that it deserves by allowing people the opportunity to buy it. You know yep. what I mean? Like don't spend all this time on creating a program or a course or a product or a, a thing and then wonder why no one's buying it because oh. you only sent to And this emails. is a mistake that we see so many people make is that you'll spend... 200 hours building your foundation and building your website and doing all this stuff. And then you'll spend two hours promoting it and you'll be like, well, it didn't work. No one wanted it. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's a disproportionate amount of time spent on getting someone to understand what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And even if you're creating something truly different that stands out, you still have to spend time and hours to get it out in front of people because people are so inundated with all this other stuff. But if you're also creating something like you're creating a new type of paint, guess what? You're going to have to spend so many hours getting that thing in front of people because it already exists in many other forms and you have to figure out ways to stand out. Okay. We should, one more thing. We should also say that before people get this whole sequence, we've, they've signed up for an onboarding sequence, which has delivered tremendous value to them. You you never sign up and then get sold to immediately. Exactly. They've gotten a couple of newsletters. We send a newsletter every Monday. We do a podcast. So there's a lot of value deliver being delivered that then that is building trust for, especially where we sit right now. Someone has essentially been on our email list for at least two weeks before getting sold to. Well, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it'll happen. Anyway. All right. So first email, the three pillars, second email, the social proof, Third email is kind of like what's coming and some additional social proof. Fourth email, two days after the third email, is a very simple, how can we help you? And it's it's very straightforward. It's the shortest email we send ever. And it's basically just, do you have questions about this? Are you curious how it's going to work for you? Reply and ask us what you want to know and how we can specifically help your situation. Right. It's not just what do you want to know, like an FAQ. It's like are you feeling like you're not sure if this is going to help you in your specific situation? Reply back and we will let you know if we think. And I think I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think last time we did this, we got about 20 replies and you may be thinking like, I don't want to answer all these emails. You're not going to get as many replies as you think. Uh, We got about 20 replies to ours and that was like 2000 people opened that email. Mm -hmm. So it's a very low amount of people that take the time to reply. And we actually made video responses to their replies. So someone wrote back a bunch of questions and then we said, sat down, flipped on a camera on our laptop. Uh, we talked it over before then made notes on what we thought could help them. And then we recorded like a five to 10 minute video reply directly to that person. And I will tell you 50% of the time, at least there was no sales pitch for us to buy. It was uh, sometimes it was even like, Hey, our thing isn't for you. This is not going to help solve your problem. But if we were in your position, here are some thoughts we have for you that we would do for you. And so many of those people were like, wow, Thanks so much. Like, I didn't expect this. This is a nice surprise and delight. We started doing that with the Buyer Future launch just as like a hunch of like, let's, again, marketing, let's try something different. That people wouldn't get. That was the key. Right. So how often will you ever get from someone selling something a direct to you, to your specific problems and needs response? Not an email, but like a face, almost a face response. It's scaling the unscalable, right? Yeah, for sure. And, um, and, and it's another nugget that you can take out of this whole podcast, which is even if you're doing something like email marketing, how can you do that differently? Right. You can provide an email response. Um, so we tried that out with buyer future. It converted tremendously. Yeah, well. for sure. Tremendously. Well, like, 
people who may not have even ever replied back to that email had it just been a straight sales email a couple days before the the registration window ended. And yet here they were replying back to us and then they're actually buying because of that. Um, so we tried, tested it out then, it worked really well. So we decided to integrate it just into our overall plan. But again, just to be more specific, out of those 20 replies, there's a handful of them that it's very clear are not the right fit for our product. Right. A part of being an authentic person marketing is not saying I'm going to convince this person who I can see is a bad fit that they should hand over their money, but really being truthful and saying, I don't think this is the right fit for you. And every time you do that, you are building trust. I believe sort of out in the ether that you're doing the right thing and you're not just willing to take anybody's money. Um, and maybe in six months that person will come around and they will be the right fit. Um, and, and they will then trust that you're actually like who you say you are. So that's one thing. So we don't send replies to every video replies to every single person. Again, it's kind of a cost benefit of your time because it yep. takes a tremendous amount of time and effort. So if you know, somebody's for lack of a better term, sort of a lost cause for that, yeah, that or, launch. Or it's like one specific example I can think of is there was a, a teenager, like a kid uh -huh. who was like, I'm just getting started and I want to start my first online business. I'm like, great, I'm not going to try and sell you our membership. That You're not a good fit. However, I've written three posts that I think would be really helpful. One is a couple books that I read that were really inspiring. One is a step-by-step -step guide to like starting your first business yep. and trying it out with no money needed. And, and he was really grateful for that. And I don't know, maybe he'll be a Wandering Aimfully member in like five years or maybe not. Maybe he just got a bunch of value from us and I feel good about that. Yeah. The second one is if people uh, reply back and mention something along the lines of it's going to be a stretch financially for me. Yeah. We, we just, we write back yep. and we're like, then this isn't the right time for you. Um, cause we have no interest in trying I have to get no people. I have no interest in bolstering my lifestyle and my income <laughs> on, on the backs of people who are struggling financially. That's not, man, that sounds like a good business model. Yeah. So that was the fourth email. Uh -huh. So, uh, two days after that, yep. we send the fifth email, which goes on on a Monday, which we actually truth be told, grabbed this, uh, strategy from Marie Forleo. And basically it was an email that you had gotten from her when she was selling B school or something. Mm -hmm. And it was like, objections that I hear like all mm -hmm. the time from people and I want to address those in an email. Mm -hmm. And it was really smart. I mean, I read that email. I was like, wow, this is really good. I, I had not thought about taking this um, way of thinking about people's questions and, and looking at the objections that people have. So mm -hmm. specifically like, I don't have the money, in mm -hmm. which case we say plain and simple, don't, buy. don't buy it. Um, some people were like, I don't know if it's going to be the right fit for me or I don't know if I'm going to get value out of it. And we actually use Karen Lamb's quote, which is like, uh, or no, I think this is the one where people are like, I don't know if it's the right time. Right. Or like, I'm yeah, ready. Yeah, it's the time I don't know thing. if I'm, I'm ready in my business. And what's this. the quote? Do you remember it? A year from now, you will wish you, have you had started today. Such a good quote. And we don't necessarily mean to like use that to sell our product, but it just like, it makes sense when you think about it. Like how much longer are you going to And you're wait? never ready. And that's, that's the thing that we have to tell people. But anyway, that's anyway, so the whole email is basically just these objections that we've heard, or, um, you, we even took some from her. They were like, Oh, that's an interesting thing. We didn't think that people might be thinking that. Um, and, and that email has actually done a good job of, of kind of being, it's usually the last day of sales is that email. Mm -hmm. Um, so that fifth email is on the last day. Cause we typically have ours open for a week or Monday membership. to Monday. And, and so that's that email. And then we haven't had to use it yet, but we do have a last call email that goes out also on that last day at the very end of the day with like three hours left before we're going to close the doors. Sometimes and, people just need that last reminder. Oh, absolutely. And I, it, it is the funniest thing to me that We've used that last call email on many different things and 
almost every time I'm like, do I need to send this? Like people have gotten so many emails from us. So many people have purchased, number one from that email, have written back and gone, thank you so much for the reminder. I had this on my to-do list or I had to go to my kid's soccer practice or I didn't see any of the other emails. I don't know how I missed them. Yeah. And it's mind blowing when you realize people just don't see every email no. and you have to give yourself the permission to show up five to seven times, four to seven times, four to 40 times, whatever you mm -hmm. want the number to be. And you have to be willing to say, I'm not just going to send people bye, 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 bye. I'm going to send them the benefits. I'm going to send them the story. I'm going to send them the different ways that this can help them. The objections they are going to go through yep. and I'm going to give them the reminders that they can actually go. Yes, this is a good product for me. And I will also just say that the best marketing tip that you can possibly have is have a product that you believe in, have a business that you believe in. So like the okay. other, yeah, we talk about this all the, the time. other part that I just want to bring up is like, it becomes a lot easier to send those five to seven emails when you know in your heart that your product and like, I know in my heart that a Wandering Aimfully membership brings value to people's lives. So it becomes easy to send those emails because I know that I'm just presenting people with an opportunity to change their lives. I think and that's, people are, I think why wouldn't I want to do that? People are being honest with themselves. A lot of people are selling things they're not, they're proud, not proud of, of. and that that's a reason why they're afraid to sell it. Well, then the, the solution to that is make it better. The solution to that is sell something you're proud of yep. or B, if you absolutely have to be in a position where you're selling something that you're not the most proud of, you're not the most excited about, find a way to get excited about it or try or and find have, a way to get excited about the way you're selling it. Try outsource your selling, try and get a salesman to, to sell it for yeah. you. I mean, there's lots of things you can do, but sorry, my, my knee was like, it's just been folded up under me. So I had to stretch it out. It looks like you're trying to get flirty. No, don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get super flirty. Okay. So, um, I know that was a real deep dive on how we do email marketing, how we sell via well, email, but I wanted, wasn't even, how oh, we that do, wasn't email marketing. That, that was, was just, that was just email. our sales sequence. I know I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, we haven't even talked about our newsletter strategy. Okay. We haven't even talked about content marketing, which is probably the biggest bucket of marketing that we do. All right. So let's try and not this keep podcast. you guys here for a long time, but let's talk about some of those things. Cause I think it's important. And I think it, it really sums up how we view marketing and how we believe if you're running a business in 2018, 19, 20, mm -hmm. you, it, it's, to me, it's the most genuine, authentic, whoa, <laughs> Did you hear that? cool. It was like an animal noise. This I doubt it'll come through on the microphone, but it sounded fun here. Oh, okay. Um, doing content marketing to me is just, it feels the most genuine way to, to market. So let's talk about how we do that and how we have prioritized that over the years and maybe what our plans are going forward. Cool. We think about content that would be valuable. No, let me start over. We think about our ideal customer mm -hmm. for Wandering Aimfully memberships. Yep. We think about the things they struggle with. We think about how we could help them overcome those things. We write tremendously in-depth and thoughtful pieces of content about those things. Which is the how and the why. So the how, the how the would be like the audience guide that I mentioned. Yep. It's like it's a, audience. a how to article, like to here are steps here is exactly. And the why would be. And the why is more of the mindset stuff and the living with intention stuff. And so it's really speaking to someone's kind of personal. It's not just giving them the tactics. It's giving them the reasons behind the tactics and it's giving them the shifts that they might need to make in their own minds. So a great example of that would be like, we touched on both things in this podcast. The how to is like, here's our exact email sequence and how right. we do that. The why is like, why are you maybe afraid to sell? Right. Like, why are you maybe holding yourself back? 
Yep. That's a mindset thing. That's yep. not a tactic. So anyway, we try to hit both of those as a general strategy. Um, and so the idea there is from a pure SEO perspective, trying to catch people as they're searching for these things that they're mm -hmm. looking for to present really great information to them that they'll hopefully find themselves on our website, get on our email list. Then it transitions into email marketing. Then it transitions into all the other stuff. Well, okay. So let's, let's break it down just on the break different types of content marketing that we do. Sure. So we do written content in mm -hmm. articles and emails. Um, and we do that consistently from a spe specifically an email standpoint. So every Monday we send an email to our list with some type of valuable, helpful thing. Mm -hmm. Um, we don't necessarily write as often, but you and I both used to be, um, well, me more specifically than you was writing an article every week, which yep. a lot of times was just the email that I sent out, yep. but also it was, I wanted to have one new article a week so that I could just keep that writing muscle going yep. and keep sharing things. And because I knew I wanted to write more books. And so that was a good way to keep that going. So it's the written content there. Uh, the second thing that we're doing is uh, this show and podcast. So the intention of this show and podcast is to not necessarily be a magnet to attract people. It is a um, deepening. It's a deepening tool. So we don't think of this podcast and show as we're going to reach a whole new audience with it. People are going to find our podcast and they're going to be like, who are these? That would yahoos? be amazing. And but there are probably some people that will do that, but that's not the intention. But for the majority of it is that we have people that are already watching our stuff, that are already reading our stuff, and that this gives them a way to see our faces Hi. or just potentially hear our voices Hi. and to know more about us, know how we think, and to see, oh, I do align with those silly yeah. looks. And it everything they're talking about does sound like something I can jive with. And I want to either get emails from them and continue to do that, or I want to join the membership, or I just want to listen to them and it's entertaining. And that's cool too. Yeah. Marketing is relationship building. For sure. Also, so any other content, so uh, articles and emails, podcasts slash YouTube show. We do also have some other YouTube videos. We haven't started prioritizing that yet. Um, and then other content And then social stuff. media content is just sort of, we, I call it, I mean, it's not me. I think I got this from like Gary Vee or something, but it's like micro content that is that fans out from the bigger pieces of content. So yeah. like we're creating shareable bits from the podcast. We're creating shareable, um, quotes from the articles and things yep. like that. So that's sort of the way, the way that that fits in and not trying to recreate the wheel with social media. So I think a lot of people, when they think about social media content, it's what new stuff can I create? And it's like, you're already spending all this time creating the written and maybe the video or whatever. Just find an interesting way to package. That. Exactly. So, and we're still trying to kind of figure that out. Like we're in a, a, a finding out phase. Yeah. Of that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how we view the content marketing strategy, uh, for us again, weekly emails. And then I think going forward, like this is a good plan that we have right now, but we do know that, you know, eventually we're going to need to have more people added to our overall audience, because if you don't have people getting onto your email list, if you don't have people getting to your website, you're going to run out of people to show your product to. Yeah. And so I think for us, you know, we, we've had a lot of conversations about like what kind of interesting projects could we take on? Mm -hmm. What kind of adventures could we go on? Um, even just sharing some of our travel stories and things like that. Yeah. Our marketing approach is cause most people would say, Oh, well, if you need more people to get eyeballs on your website, like do paid advertising or do Facebook things ads. like that. Which Let's is, just go straight. Like, Facebook, do ads. Facebook ads, which is, totally a thing that can work for people. Our instinct, first of all, we believe organic is always better than paid because it doesn't run out, right? right. Like you don't need money to do that. So if you can, if, if you can come up with something that is going to get you organic traffic versus paid traffic, we would always prefer to do the organic route. Therefore, our first instinct is to always come up with something 
crazy or interesting or different in order to get those more eyeballs on us? Is it creating um, a weird software tool that's free that people can go to and they're going to share it? Is it doing a weird cross-country road trip and documenting the process? Is it creating Ooh, that content? Do you want to do that? Sure. Okay. Um, and so that's just one way that we think about it is uh, we're not against Facebook ads. I've used them to sell courses before and all things like that. It's just, I don't want to build our business on a foundation of traffic that comes from paid sources because I think that's a house of cards that could topple. I, I totally agree with you. I do want to just openly admit that I think if, if Facebook ads is the easiest is not the right word. If it is the fastest way for you to grow your audience and you feel like it is working for you, by all means do, do it. it. Because it is the best ad spend you can do right now. It's where people are spending their time. I will say the one thing for us that we may get to, if we just see that, hey, we're not growing by enough people, um, we may do some retargeting advertising yeah. on Facebook, which essentially just means someone came to your website, show them your website again. If you've ever been on zappos.com to shop for shoes, <laughs> and then you go to Facebook and all of a sudden, whoa, whoa. those Jimmy Choo's are sharing me, staring me down. I need hey, to buy those. Did you think about getting some Jimmy Choo's? I have many pairs of secret Jimmy wow. Choo's. You, know you don't have to make them secret. We can just... Share them. Share them. <laughs> a size 16 Jimmy <laughs> Choo's. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, no, but retargeting with Facebook, and I'm not going to pretend like that's an easy thing to do. Like you have to know what you're doing and, and all this stuff, but that is a very good way to basically do another touch point of the mm -hmm. five to seven, four to seven, four to 400 touch points <laughs> of someone, oh, I just went to that website yesterday. I'm seeing it again. Oh, I did want to buy that. I forgot. Yeah. It, it works really well. Um, but I will say, going back to your point about organic versus paid, for us, and I think maybe a lot of people who listen to this would agree, they would rather spend their advertising, marketing, promotional dollars on themselves and their own ideas and invest in things they can create that have a longer term chance of succeeding than a Facebook ad that's going to go up and then come down and never have a chance to live longer. I disagree with you. Really? I think that that makes so much sense what you just said. I don't think that people's first instinct is to bet their money on oh, themselves. Yeah, sorry. So that's yeah. how I disagree with you. Yeah. Like I think your brain immediately goes to that because you're like, duh, why wouldn't yeah. you put your own money on yourself versus something that's so out of that's your control? Point. That's a good point. But I want to bring it up, which is that actually most people's brains don't work that way. Mm. Which is that their thing is let me let me put my money into this thing that I've seen be successful right. for other people and let me, you know, avoid the self-doubt that it might require to overcome in order to put my own money into an idea that I don't know is going to pan out. Yeah. So I just think that's a very interesting of illustration funny. of how your brain's different than other people. Yeah. Well, um, it, it also is the same thing of when um, I'll see someone's website that they put together for their project and it looks like every other sales page and website I've ever seen. And I just find it so difficult to give them positive feedback on it because I'm like, it looks exactly the same. Mm -hmm. It's blue. You have green buy buttons. It's always blue. You have testimonials. You have like all the same crap that everyone Oswald has. Oswald font. Just, just make it different. Make it, it doesn't mean it has to be like the craziest thing ever, but just stop doing all the things that everyone's doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I think this was a really fun discussion on marketing. Uh, I would love if we didn't answer questions that you guys had about marketing. I think we we're going we to have to tread back I would over love this one to do a part two. So leave us a question on, on YouTube, on the video, or, uh, you can email to us. Hello, wandering Aimfully, And we'd love to chat with you about that because I'd love to or dive social, whatever you want. I'd love to dive deeper into content marketing. Yeah. Uh, how to get started because I think, okay, can I say one last thing? Yeah, for sure. Cause I think it's helpful. I see this biggest mistake that people make when it comes to content marketing is forgetting to put themselves in the shoes of who they're trying to give value to. Right. So like I see blog posts that are like three ways to do this or whatever, but 
they're not putting themselves in the shoes of the person who's reading that and providing them with actual tangible value for that. Or you see sort of the like 2011 blog version where someone is just writing a diary right? and Which, they're just like, here's a thought that I had right. or here's the thing. And that's great. But if you're using that to, to, if you're not like Seth Godin doing that, right. you know what I mean? Which actually that's a bad example because he, his has tremendous value in every, right. in every post that he does. But if you're just thinking of a thought, you, you have to think of how someone's going to find that thought. Right. So, and, and I have a tip for this because yes. this was actually something that I wrestled with back when I started my Jason does stuff website in 2014, you'll remember I didn't know what to write articles about. Mm -hmm. And I had this idea, what if I just started every article with, I want to help you Blank. something. And so whatever that was, that I want to help you, that became what the article was about. That's a great tip. So if you're a, a business and you're creating content, that will help you understand what you should write about. Because instead of just writing like some article about s seven tips to whatever, blah, 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 mm -hmm. you go like, but what is this actually helping someone do? Oh, it's actually helping you have a more beautiful Instagram feed, or it's helping you have more customers, or it's helping you understand Facebook ads or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. That's the point. Okay. Now let me go through and address everything mm -hmm. in this article. So it's a good tip. Another tip on that. So a tip on top of a, a tip? tip, a tip on a tip Ooh. is that's also something that I often do for sales emails or sales copy on social or things like that. When I don't know what to write about, for example, for my book, when it came time to, to put that on into the world, I was like, gosh, where do I start? And I just write at the top of a page, what I want you to know. Yeah. And that gets the brain going and you just go, Oh, you know, I'm, and because in inside of that phrase is you, what I want you to know. And so it forces you to talk to your potential target audience. Yep. And so you, the buyer of my book, here's what I want you to know. Yep. I want you to know that you, you know, here are all the things that I wanted you to know when I wrote it. And here's what I want you to know about it. And here's what I want it to help you do. And yada, yada. All right. Let's wrap up with wrap everyone's up. favorite segment. We'll Google that for you. We're good to fee. We're good to fee. We Googled that for you. Uh, this is a segment where Caroline and I bring something to one another that we think they don't know. Uh, this one's actually gonna be an interesting one, um, but you probably don't know this either. Mm. So this is hopefully something you can take to your friends and go, hey, guess what I figured out today. So today, today, I actually have something that you looked up and then I was like, well, I kind of still want to know this. Do you know what it is? Yeah. What is it? Why athletes spank each other's butts. <laughs> <laughs> Jason and I were watching something the other we're, day. Yeah, there was for like football, football or, something. or something. And I'm like, why do they do that? Why do they spank each other on the butts? Yeah, but I already, I'm totally incredulous of whatever your answer is because I went down this rabbit hole and I found a lot of answers that were not... What did you supported with facts? What did you, you well, okay. So this is one of the few answers where it, there just are no facts on it. Like there's no, okay. Then I think I know what your answer is. Okay. Let's go for it. That that's the only area of their bodies that aren't covered in pads. Oh. So that's the only time they can like feel like, okay, this is one that I saw that they were like, that's the only area of their bodies that aren't covered in pads. So that's how they could feel touch. I'm like, you can high five. You could actually high five. So I, I got this from a men's magazine called Mel. And essentially what the earliest dated uh, written reason of why they did it uh -huh. was because it gives an adrenaline boost. Because if you just like high five or slap someone on the shoulder, mm. it doesn't 
promote your body to like create adrenaline. But if you slap now, someone is in the that butt, because it's like a sexual touch? <laughs> like, possibly. Is, is that because it's like the flirty way that you touch my leg? So, uh, in 1973, okay, uh, this is the earliest reference that they can find about you know people slapping each other on the butts and explaining why it was happened. Um, was that it, it? Literally, in the paper said it's supposed to be a way of life for people who play defense in football. You wave clenched fists, exchange violent butt slaps to get high on your own pulsing adrenaline. <laughs> I've never heard a better sentence then to exchange violent butt, butt slaps slap. in so, order to get high on your own coursing adrenaline. Yeah, your own your own adrenaline. I did want to take this one step further because I was like, all right, well, there's no clear answer to there's that, which none. is kind of a bummer. So I looked up. What do you think I looked up next? Can you guess? What is butt? <laughs> <laughs> where do butts come from? Uh, no, what I looked up was where did the high five start? That's a great one. Thank you. So we Googled two things for you. One is 1973 butt, butt slaps. slaps in football. So the high five, do you have any idea where it started? The high five was originated in 1920s vaudeville shows. Uh-huh. Not sure if those two things are lining up. Uh-huh. And it was a way of communicating. I'm so lost. Like, I don't even know where my brain's going. So no, the answer's doing. no. Uh, so the origin of the high five as... Anyone can document okay. was uh, in baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers in 1977. Dusty Baker and Glenn oh, Burke. Old Dusty Baker. Uh, in the sixth inning, Dusty hit a home run, and Baker uh, had a, or yeah, uh, let's see here. Reading. It's hard. Yeah, I know. Um, Dusty Baker hit a home run. It was the 30th of the season, and as he came across home plate, his teammate, Glenn Burke raised his hand and they slapped hands and I, it was literally no, the first high five. I do not believe this. Well, I I mean, I have no idea. I do idea. not believe this. I have no idea. But this is... I mean, maybe I don't believe it just because it's become so ingrained in our culture, but it, if you were like, hmm, what decade did high five start? I would have thought so much earlier. I mean, you got to think it like, seems like a natural, in Egyptian times, like the pharaohs high fived, right? Maybe they didn't. Because uh, anyway. when you think about it, it'd be weird if I held my hand out to the side and you slapped it. They, right. You'd be like... That's weird. But then if everyone started, you'd be like, well, it just seems so natural. So good old Dusty and Glenn in 1977, high five for the first documented time. And then in 1980, the Oxford English Dictionary added high, high five, five, give me a five, slip me a five, give me some skin, slap me five, and just five. That's interesting. So I feel like that is corroborating evidence that... I mean, if it I'm, wasn't added to the dictionary until 80. How long has the dictionary been around? We're going to have to Google that for you now. This really goes down a rabbit <laughs> hole, doesn't it? <laughs> it escalates. What if the dictionary has only been around since 1979? And then it's like, well, No, that's duh. not true. No, that's not true. Hey, uh, thanks for listening to our show. We really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this one. It's a little different. I know most of our earlier episodes were somewhere our business journeys, but most have been just like lifestyle stuff. So we hope uh, if you are a business owner out there that you got ideas from this, that you found imagine it imagine a lot of people that listen to this show or watch this show uh, have a business of some sort or maybe you're thinking about starting one and you know we hope this gave you some some information some fodder to help you uh, if it did and you want to support the show we don't have sponsors so it'd be awesome if you could just leave us a rating and review on apple podcast itunes uh, wherever you listen to podcasts would be great or if you want to tell a friend about the show word of mouth marketing folks it's Wom. big it's big. Straight WAM. If you can WAM up some WAME, we would really appreciate Ooh, it. Ooh, WAMs for WAME. Uh, WAME is our acronym for Hashtag WAME, by the way. WAM for WAME. WAM for WAME. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. We'll be in your earballs on the next episode. Can't wait. Bye. Bye.